We call it the fifth great tale, the world. Everything that is happening is the story of the now, and we take the nuance of our roles from what the world is telling us. When the weft of all the recent tales spoke my role to be sorrow, I wondered at the cause. There is such emptiness to sorrow. Ephraim said, perhaps the world was growing thinner with its age. Mada told me that there must be voids so that we may fill them, and their laughter never faltered till the night before I left. I put my hands upon our dry stone walls and imagined them without us, the tower and the tombs without the beating of the hearts, the last dance of dust in the empty room. With every tale I offered up to the sleeping row and zoo, my hands became more stable, teasing the threads of the remnant's fate so we could weigh it down with ours. Ardi watched me do this with an eagerness, gave me extra tasks which seemed impossible, absurd. Some I would achieve, though many more I failed, and I would travel up the tower to Roenki when the work was done and watch its constellations for some meaning I had missed. I wondered at the silence growing in our hallways. I told Karum that I felt heavy with some fear I could not name. They looked at me strangely then, caring but concerned. They said, Belka, when the earth around it has dried up so completely that it cannot sustain life, the stone fern curls its leaves up close and pulls its own roots from the earth. We cannot hear the cries of plants, but we must assume it hurts to do so. Still, though, it does it, and lets the winds take it with them where they will. Perhaps to settle, perhaps to move again but each time it takes the risk. Because staying where the dry stone sucks the life away from it is unimaginably worse. I have pulled up my roots, again and again and again, but the weight of stone still pulls at me. Welcome to These Flimsy Rituals, a narrative-first role-playing podcast focused on telling small stories in big worlds. Joining me today is Thryn Henderson. Hello, I'm Thryn Henderson, and you can find me on Twitter at Thayrin. And I'm your host, Adam Dixon, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at T. Dixon. And you can follow the show on Twitter at Flimsy Rituals. So today we are kind of recording one-on-one with each of the characters and seeing where they are, what they get up to, kind of where they are as a character as much as anything. Although I think this one will also have quite a bit of focus on the world. I'm not sure where this is going to land. It, it could be the first episode we release in that series. It could be the fourth. So we're kind of doing this intro for all of them. So far, I'd start by just asking where like Belka is as a character at the minute. So we kind of left them being pulled through the chains and choosing to follow like Memento's pull. And I'm just kind of curious, like what's Belka's headspace like at the moment? They've been through quite a lot in this long, awful day. More than anything, Belka is probably just very tired from getting up in the middle of the night to argue with Aloma and walk to eulogy, from everything that happened in the library itself, um, from the nearly mortal wounds they are bearing. And then I think just sort of 
existentially a bit done as well because everything they've kind of tried to put their efforts into since they left the Keepers has not gone very well. And this seems to have gone the least well of all of them, so... I think they feel a bit defeated, probably. They were struggling to feel like where they were and what they were doing was the right thing, and so they set out on their own to prove that, you know, you can do something different, and that's better, and actually it turns out they're not very good at doing something different. I mean, you said that you're going to burn down a library, and you did. That's true, yeah. I mean, I meant more sort of metaphorically, but I think we might have quite literally burned it down, so... Well, I hope Belka is feeling better soon. So I think we should rejoin Belka as they arrive where Memento is, which is at the peak of Khanverse, which is the mountain that kind of borders on both Senya and the Sharrow. And I think effectively, like, the mountain is split in half. The great chasm formed by the Sharrow as it circles its region kind of cuts its way through the heart of the mountain. I think there is maybe more of it on the Senya side, but kind of like over time there's just kind of like this big gap between them. And I think in some places, like the mountain has sort of collapsed over and is kind of leaning against each other and then there's kind of like ways to cross. I think in others you can see that there are like bridges between like spaces on the top of the mountain or probably like even lower down from like where Maddie and Kaylin's people were, just kind of crossing from one territory into the other. I think as soon as you arrive, you can sense almost like a great weight upon you. It's the same burden that you've been feeling ever since you've entered Senya. It's the same, like, atmosphere that kind of, like, pervades through the domain. It's kind of like one of, like, grief and sadness. And I'm just kind of curious, like, how does Belka withstand it? I mean, at this point, I don't think that they do. Okay. Um, If where they've kind of come out of Seastra's tunnels is at a point of the mountain where they can see, because this is on the, the border of the Sharrow's territory, right? Yeah. And so presumably I can see the Sharrow, the region. The, yes, yes. And so they're, they're just right back where they were trying to leave, and this mountain is where all the horrible things start getting more horrible, and this burden feeling is awful. I think Belka just cries. Yeah. I mean, I, this isn't Khan Veskal, just to make that clear. Yeah, but it's I, I'm within it's the... It's close. I'm within yeah. the region. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I imagine, um, just to kind of set the scene... You're probably at the top of the mountain. It's probably like wrapped in like a thick fog. You've heard that like this is where Doya, the remnant of Senya, is. And I imagine you could probably understand that the fog that kind of coats the mountain either is the remnant or is like a form of the remnant. Um, I think other things you can see is you can definitely see back over into the shadow. And I think that... The shadow's almost like an extension of this. There are probably like storm clouds over it. I think this is like a very dramatic tense scene. It's probably raining. There's probably thunder and lightning across across the shadow, a bit like Strail's blizzard 
but like kind of turned and changed, I think. And looking around you, you can see a few things. You can see uh, at the peak of the mountain, which you're not far from, uh, there is like a strange structure, which I think looks like a mix between, I guess, like a gazebo-ish sort of shape. But like the side where it like overhangs or like peaks out from the mountain, I think it's carved into a face. Um, so it's like a place that you can go and stand in and you'd look back out over the shadow through the eyes of the face. And I think you've heard rumours of that, and I think um, that place is a place called the Conduit, uh, which you've heard of, uh, which allows you to speak to the dead. I think as you sink to the ground, sort of like crying, one of the things that happens here, because it's kind of quite, you know, I think this is the place where Doya's powers are most literal. Without really noticing it, um, you probably start to sink into the ground a little bit. Uh-oh. I think um, as as that happens, you kind of feel a hand on your shoulder. Um, I think it's like someone else who sat down like a little way away from you, and you turn around and you see like uh, the face of Keen, uh, who is one of the snarls, the one that decided to come up or like go with uh, Memento Amori, and uh, he touches you on the shoulder and kind of like gives like a little squeeze and like points towards where you're sinking into the ground. <laughs> um, I think Belka probably wipes their eyes and immediately feels just a little bit better because I think the worst part about coming out here for them was that there was no one else here. And I don't think they deal with that very well at all. Um, so Keen is here and things aren't quite as terrible as it could have been. And then probably like looks a bit taken aback at sinking into the ground and frowns down at where their knees are sliding into the mountain and goes, Hmm, I would like this to stop, please, Doya. I think um, you can kind of feel, like, the grip loosen and you manage to, like, shrug yourself free. I think, like, once Belka is like, okay, cool, this is what's happening, I don't want this to happen, it kind of loosens. Oh, good. Um, I think another couple of things about your immediate situation is you're probably still holding on to some chains. Maybe it's like a bit of a chain bridge that goes across from this piece of the mountain uh, into the shadow. I think the other thing you notice is around your wrist, um, where you would tie to those, like, like the threads from your scarf. Um, that is still there. It's sort of weirdly, like... Still made out of the same material, but also, like, woven, like, interlinking chains. And I think, like, it's kind of tied like a bracelet around your wrist, and then it seems to just, like, trail off. Um, like, a longer thread just going off, probably back down the mountain, but you can't really see where it, it goes to. And I think if you were to, like, move in any way, like, it, would, it wouldn't get in your way. I think that probably doesn't bother Belka too much, because other than the chain motif, I think that's when they're trying to do any of their keepering, any of their hearting, that's kind of what they see. That's sort of how the world presents itself, so. Cool. Alright. Yeah. Fairly normal. And if you wanted to pay attention to it, you could probably ask some questions about that and make that move, but like, yeah, we'll get to that in a second, I guess. Like, I feel like your best place to work out what that is. Yeah, I think Belka would assume that because they 
specifically tied the group together with those threads, that's what they're still doing. Um, sure. But because of that assumption, they would, I think, investigate to check that that's still true. Okay. Well, let me just give you like a last detail of the situation, and then let's make that move, because I feel like it'd be interesting to ask some questions here. Um, so the last thing you notice is is on the bridge that you're still kind of holding on to. Have you l- let go of that yet? Absolutely not. Death grip in my hand. Okay. Um, you feel the bridge shake. And like as you do, you kind of look up. And kind of on the suspended rope bridge that kind of goes between the two sides of Converse, the one on Senya and the one on the Sharrow, are stood two figures. And you recognise them instantly as Memento and Mori. Memento is stood on the Sido bridge closest to you, probably not too far from where you are, like a few steps away. They are like currently um, taking the form of a statue with like huge bird wings, um, kind of stood with like both hands uh, pointed towards Mori, who's on like the shadow side, as in like in like a big stop sign, as if they're holding something back, and their wings are kind of spread as if to like emphasize that effect. Mori is different to what they've ever been. They look the same. They're still that same like rosebush thing. But when you look closely, when you look carefully, you can see the yellow tendrils of corpus spread through them. Oh no. Mori. And I think the sense you get, the sense you get more than anything from this place is, is that Doya and its servants are desperately trying to hold stuff back. I think you can see that through the two on the bridge, through through Memento trying to hold back Mori. You can see that you can sense that through Doya, I think. I think you can see where like Doya's fog like mingles with this darkened blizzard of Corpus. And you can probably see it in Keen, who I think in the moments after like touching when the shoulder has gone back to just I think he's sunk his hands beneath the earth in the same way that you sunk in and is just kind of muttering under his breath. I think you can see or sense the like threads of fate and magic and spirit like around him and he's kind of like pulling them and like changing them and kind of creating defenses with them. Oh no, can I help? Uh, Yeah, you can. It's, It's up to you. Like You've got an opportunity here while everyone else is occupied to pay attention to the world if you want to do that, or you could just directly try and help. It depends what you think Belka would do. Um, I think Belka is, would probably try and pay attention to the world first, but not in a kind of shrewd, oh, I, I need to get the lay of the land way, in a what is happening way, like just desperately trying to understand where they are and why. Extremely fair. So when you spend a moment to pay attention to the world around you, roll. On a 10 plus ask 3, on a 7 to 9 ask 1, and when you act on your answer you get plus one forward. So how is Belka feeling right now? There is like this overwhelming feeling from the mountain, is that corresponding to how Belka is feeling, or is Belka feeling something different? No, I think the mountain is only amplifying kind of how Belka already feels. But I don't I don't know whether to go scared or sad, because I think it's kind of a 
slightly fearful resignation that maybe they can't fix anything. Yeah, and I imagine that kind of corresponds with like the feeling on the mountain. Like I described it probably described how it feels normally. But like there's probably a slightly different sense or like a shift that Belka picks up upon, which is like the people and like the beings on top of this mountain probably have a sense of resignation over their own fate at the minute. Yeah, and I think feeling that would kind of tip Belka into scared, not necessarily like frightened, but desperate. That kind of slightly scared refusal to accept how things are. Which does unfortunately mean I'm going to spike in scared. Oh no. Yeah, make your roll. What is Belka's scared? Uh, it is plus one. Womp womp. That's a four. Well, you get some XP at least. Um, would you like to ask me one of those questions? So the questions are, what's my best way in, out, past? What here is useful to me? What is the most dangerous thing here? What is being overlooked? What, if anything, doesn't belong here? What beliefs and superstitions exist about blank? I think I am well aware of what the most dangerous thing here is, and the thing that doesn't belong here is me. So I'm probably going to go for what is being overlooked. Uh-huh. So, and I think this actually lines up quite well with my move. The thing that Doya and its crew on top of the mountain are doing is they're trying to make themselves the target for Corpus. I think as you watch, you kind of sense that, like, they're turning this into, like, a distraction and a battle for the, like, top of the mountain. Whereas that's not the only place where the Sharrow and Senya meet. What is being overlooked is Corpus is starting to become aware of this distraction and this ploy. And, like, you can see tendrils forming between different bits of the mountain, probably further down through the fog you can see it sort of starting to sneak round. And here's the thing that is really being overlooked. It's further along, somewhere at the edge of your vision to the north, is you can see an extremely large, dark shape making its way through the canyon. Oh no. Yeah, it's exactly what you think it is. It's the shadow. Oh yeah, I don't feel good about that at all. No, um, I wouldn't. Um, how is Belka reacting? Has Belka ever seen the Sharrow? No, I don't think Belka has, but I think they know what the Sharrow looks like because they will have, like, all the time they've spent with the caravan from Ninut and in the village of Ninut before it was abandoned, a lot of that time will have been spent just listening to stories from the elders and the children and learning about kind of the traditions and the folklore yeah. and things, because that's what they're interested in. And so I think they would know enough to recognize it. And I assume there'd be like folk art and stuff like that. Probably like painted it on the canyon walls and like within the buildings, and you know, in Charla's cookbook. Oh yeah, Charla's probably showed me a, a picture of it that she or her grandma or whoever drew, so. Yeah, they probably all have their own picture of the shadow. 
Oh, someone's going to have to deal with that then. Yeah, so what so what is um what is Belka doing at the minute, I guess is the question. So like I think on the bridge Mori is just attacking Memento and you can't necessarily see Memento moving to block the attacks or block Mori, but you can see like spaces where a vine like lashes out and it's kind of just like bounces back. Memento's holding that back, but you can probably see like the statue starting to like slide backwards across the bridge. Keen next to you is like muttering more and more and is just seems to be pulling in more and more of like the strength of the mountain to kind of put up barriers. And I think it's Keen that is probably the most in charge of like stopping the forays that Corpus is launching. And I think Doya is also being guided or working with Keen, kind of like beating back this larger force of darkness that like Corpus is putting over, or like the storm. I think you definitely see Seastra kind of like occasionally like buzzes backwards and forth into this picture. Like will appear and like drop something off, like a tombstone or something, and for like keen to read or touch, and then will disappear again. And I think in the distance you can see like a lumbering shape of an envoy that we've not seen digging up graves further down the mountain. You're not sure why, but you're sure that it has a purpose. Okay. My immediate concern, I guess, is Memento. Not only do I know and like Memento, it also seems like the only part of this tableau that I can have any viable input into. Sure. Really going to have to think about the Sharrow for a bit. Can't do anything about that right now. But Memento is right there and needs my help. Um, so I guess Perko will pull themselves up using the chains they're still they've probably like had them so tight in their hand now that their palm is bleeding and i've never done this before we'll see we'll see whether this is a, an option or not but i don't know if i'd have seen vens do it but vens has like done the big magic by using extra spirit from other places right like those weird orbs that chala has and stuff and I did just put someone in a pendant. <laughs> you did. So I'd like to have a go. Uh, using Terea? Yeah, because I think, I think Belka is very unwell. And this needs a very big intervention. They don't want to hurt Mori, because they don't know whether they can be salvaged from Corpus. But there isn't time to try and do that now. And I think what they what they want to do is try and bind Mori. Okay. But they've never done that before. I don't know if they know whether they can do it, but they know that sometimes Vens does big weird things because he uses someone's ghost, and they have someone's ghost, so why not give it a try? Yeah, and they can definitely tap into the threads of spirit. I yeah. don't know whether Bell can, can do this. Is the honest answer. I don't know but, whether Belka yeah. can do this. I don't think they're, they're trying to do magic the way that Venz does. I think they're trying to do... I guess it would be like the rewriting the world move. Rather than rewriting a moment, they want to just stop it. Yeah. So kind of just make that moment not join on to the next one. Which I assume they know is theoretically possible, but is not a thing they would have had to do before. Like, my understanding of this is like... They're ripping out the next two chapters of the book. Yeah, they're like just tearing a fistful of the end of Maury's book out and being like, I'll put those back later, I'm sorry. 
Yeah, is it that or is it attempt fate? I guess is my question. I guess it is words unspoken. I think, yeah, it probably is. Um, I am spiked out and I'm very scared. So. Um, yeah, so when you're spiked out, um, the emotion that's spiked out temporarily becomes a plus one and all others are locked as a minus two. Um, so you can either roll on the spiked emotion and erase a mark in that emotion. And when they've all been removed, all state modifiers go back to normal or you can roll on a different emotion at minus two. So are you still scared? I'm still scared, and my scared is plus one anyway, so... Yeah, so much the same. So, words unspoken is, when you use your will to defy the fates and rewrite the story, roll. On a 10 plus you do it, but pick two. On a 7 to 9, pick one. And the options are, you don't tear the fabric of reality. Your enemies aren't made more powerful as a result. Your friends aren't collateral. Oh, pray for me. No! Oh... It's a seven, at it's least. It's a seven. Oh, I forgot I had a plus one. It's a seven. Okay, Um. so so what does this look like? I think it's Belka levering themselves up off the ground. They are still crying. I think, like, ugly sobbing at this point, because everything is awful and they, they hurt so much. Um, And just, like, reaching up and tearing the pendant off their horns where they've hung it, clasping it in the hand they used to hold the chain and just kind of like it is literally like a tearing motion in the direction of Maury and then I think if it if it works it looks like Maury kind of stuttering like a single three or four frames just over and over and they're just kind of sobbing sorry 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 I'm so sorry okay um which one are you picking Oh, um, I am picking. I know I should pick your enemies aren't made more powerful as a result, but it's, I'm going to go for your friends aren't collateral. I think that's what Belka cares more about. Okay. Let me think this through. Um, I don't know how it feels to use spirit that isn't mine, but I can only imagine awful. Yeah. I think... Belka has much more understanding of the things they're doing than Vens does. And I think compared to Vens, like the spirit orbs that Vens has, or like that Vens generally uses, maybe not the ones he found in the village or Chala found in the village, tend to be like a part of a spirit given for a purpose, rather than dragging a bit of Terea into this. So the things that happen here. The other two are, you tear the fabric of reality and your enemies are made more powerful as a result. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think this is exactly as you describe with Mori, where like Mori starts to stutter. And I think this is like a slow bit, right? Like, it, it's not like you do this instantly. You start to like tear out like all of the threads that you can see leading from Mori for the next little while of the directions that their story could take. And there are still little bits that are kind of acting. I think um, one of the things you see is, as you're doing this, um, Memento shifts into a statue that has, like, four sets of arms and, like, two heads. And one of the heads is, like, looking at Mori, like, two two hands raised in the same, like, motion and gesture that they were using before, and, like, the other head looking at you and raised in the same way. Like, almost as if, like, splitting up a fight, um, but it's turned to look at you. 
the old statue of Memento is kind of pulled off by Mori from the bridge and like falls down below. I think this stuttering kind of happens all the way around this part of the mountain. I think all of like Corpus's efforts um, to kind of take out Doya are halted, are stopped. You you pull off as much as you can, and you pull out so much that it kind of stops the storm around here. So like Doya can pull back, it stops the yellow tendrils that are kind of spreading. Um, it kind of stops like the plants, like the the strange mushroom growths that Corpus was capable of. I imagine there's like a small troop of them crossing some of the bridges. They kind of like stop and start stuttering. However, and I think this is the tear in the fabric of reality. This part of like Corpus's attack and troops and forces are frozen still. I don't think it affects your side, but it affects that part of Corpus. And at some point that has to change. You can't stop the entire story. And at some point that's going to jump forward and that's going to be bad. I feel like also with this part of Corpus's attack halted, it puts its efforts into attacking the rest of Senya. And I feel like as you glance, you you probably see the large figure of Sharrow start to pull itself out of the canyon, somewhere far away, into Senya itself. But here, and now, I think um, Memento is looking at you. I think there is like a look of concern etched into its marble face. And it says, not for... And then if it could like frown in confusion, it would, because I think it like remembers that Mori isn't there to answer and complete its sentence. And it just says, after a few seconds of silence, you, this is our end. You cannot rewrite that. Belka falls back down to the floor, kind of laughing and crying at the same time and nods. I did that bad. It will come back though. A few minutes, I think. I hope it helps. It might be worse. I'm very sorry. I feel like the next thing you feel is stone touching your cheek. And a new statue is kind of formed in front of the old one, and it is like memento leaning down to kind of brush the side of your face. I think Belka kind of opens their hand around the bloody library slash Terea pendant and sort of holds it out to Memento and is like, would you like this back? It seems bad, maybe. I didn't like that. A new statue forms and it's it looking over the edge, back into the shadow, kind of arms crossed. And from over its shoulder, it, it speaks to you and says, we cannot let it fall to that. And it will. I guess now you are its keeper. I think the use of keeper specifically makes Belka laugh quite a lot. And then Memento says, We're sorry. I'm sorry too. I couldn't help very much. Hmm? You will. Just not now. And then um, I think Memento reforms to like I think something that like approximates like a young version of Belka like it's definitely not Belka because I don't think Memento would know what young Belka looks like 
but it's a child with horns and it's kind of pointing up towards the conduit. But you can see like some of the mist that sort of coats the mountain that is Doya is kind of like thickening. I think Berka just kind of sighs very heavily and rolls over, starts to get back up again. And then partway to walking in that direction stops and turns back around and kind of bows to Keen and is like, it, um, it was nice to meet you. Should I send regards to Vems? Keen is still like sort of muttering under his breath when you like turn to him, focusing a lot on holding back Corpus. It's like maybe the first time you've looked at him properly, and you can see the ways in which like the spirit of him is being replaced by Doya, and like the spirit of him is like bursting out in places. But I think he stops when you turn to him and like looks at you and like smiles. All the words me and Vens needed to say, we've shared. I think Velka just nods and turns to go. I think he also says, like, as you start to turn, but you can tell him, he never did like those beans. Belka has no, like, bafflement in them left <laughs> to spare. They just nod really solemnly as though that's, like, a great piece of parting wisdom and go, as you wish. <laughs> um, and then walking past Memento and Mori, I think they... I don't think they can touch Maury in the state that they're currently in. No, and I'm not sure that you'd want to. Absolutely would not want to. But they probably touch Memento on the shoulder and bow again and... I'm sorry. For this. And what comes after. This or something like it was always coming. Can I ask you a favour? Of course. Remember. <laughs> I think Velka has found a new level of crying, but laughs and kind of wipes their face and nods and says, Well, that is our job, yes? I will do it for you. I think you leave Memento formed into the statue of an elderly person with, like, a stooped back, kind of sat on a rock, head rested in, like, their hand, and they are staring back out over the bridge to where Mori fluctuates. And I think there are, like, big tears making their way down their marble face. So, do you walk up towards the conduit? Yes, slow and painful, and very, very sad. That's very fair. Not scared anymore? I think to an extent, still scared, but I think knowing what is inevitable is sadder. They're scared for Memento, but they know it's going to happen. And so the overwhelming feeling, I guess, is sadness. So yeah, I think you reach the conduit where it's like a very simple room 
almost like circular with the entrance on one side and then like benches in a semicircle. From inside it, you can look out through the eyes and the mouth of like the figure over towards the shadow. Between like the semicircles, I think is like, it looks like a small fire pit, maybe? And it's got stuff that has been burnt inside, like uh, the remains of like charcoal. And I think at one side on one of the benches is a figure. And I think it's Doya. I'm kind of just interested whether you've got a sense of like what form Doya takes in appearing to you. Um, I mean, you said Doya is kind of like fog, right? Yeah. So I guess this person is kind of not fully realized. Like it's the suggestion of a person more than anything. Yeah. I was going to say, do they appear as anyone familiar? So I think the conduit is like, where people will take pilgrimages to, because it's rumored to like, you can talk to people that you remember here. People will say like people who have like passed away, you can come talk to here. But I think the reality of it is, it's anyone that you remember and miss, and you don't necessarily talk to that person. You talk to like your memory of them. Yeah, I think um, Doya would probably be an approximation of Karun. Who is Karun? Uh, Karun is one of the other hearts um, and is the only one who wasn't upset about Belka leaving, as far as Belka is aware. But I think that is also just true. Okay. Uh, why, why weren't they upset about you leaving? Uh, so Karun is the heart of growth, and I think they kind of couldn't, in an official capacity disprove of the kind of personal growth that Belko is displaying there. And also because I think they genuinely are quite fond of Belka. I think the two of them were very close and they could see that Belka was unhappy. And so anything that they could do that might change that seemed like a good idea. That makes sense. Um, so what does Karun look like? They are a little bit shorter than Belka, um, but not by much. Um, I think quite soft and stout. They've got very soft kind of round features. They have two pairs of horns like Belka, but both of theirs go straight backwards instead of the one curling under the face that Belka has. Um, so they've, they're quite approachable and friendly looking, but then they've got this very severe, sleek headpiece that kind of sets them off in a really strange way. Um, which I think Belka always secretly found a bit charming. Yeah, I guess it's got like the potential to be somewhat intimidating if you don't know them, but also like very something you can tease them about if you do. Yeah, I think it's like your favourite baker's presence in the room, but with a severe headmaster's haircut. Like, <laughs> I think it was something that never bothered them and that Belka secretly thought was quite sweet. Yeah. Are they they them? Uh, yeah, I think all the hearts are. Okay. Um, can you see what they're wearing? Are, are they like dressed like how Belka is? Yeah, they would be dressed how Belka is. Um, mostly just the one big scarf. But probably less clothes. Yeah, Belka has added additional undergarments, I think, underclothes for the weather. Yeah, it's been very cold. What have you been compared to, like, Ertal? Yeah. 
They'd be wearing a lot more of the bells as well, because they would still have all their formal ones, which Belko obviously has given up. And what are they like as a person? You said they're approachable? In many ways, I think they're a bit like Vens, but more exuberant. They're quite a reassuring presence. Um, they speak quite sort of low and smooth. They always take time to consider what they're saying to you before they reply. I don't think they're ever really angry. Okay. And I guess this is only your memory of them, which is interesting as well. Yeah, so I think obviously this is a very personal memory of Karun. I think in many ways it's probably a bit idealised because that's how Belka saw them. Are they older or younger than you? Or like, maybe the question is like, have they been in their position as a Hartford longer? I think just a little bit longer. So about five years before Belka. Okay. So as... um. As you walk in, um, they, like, raise off the bench and, like, throw their arms a little bit wide and, like, Belka! And then, like, look, look up and down and go, you look awful! <laughs> I think Belka is still laughing and crying um, and just does this huge sobbing intake of breath and then points an accusatory finger at them and goes, you're not real. But Hello! Um, I think they I think they look down and go Yeah, but what is really? We're better suited to unreality than most. I think they nod kind of solemnly and go, I would like very much for you to be real. So perhaps let's say you are. For now. Uh Karun nods and like sits themselves back down. I think for like the first time in too long you're probably talking like the language that you grew up with like you're talking like the language of Ertal. it might be the language that Vilta speaks too but maybe not i think it's probably similar to what Vilta speaks but not yeah. quite like a german austrian thing yeah and maybe like the accent here is definitely a lot more familiar and comforting but yeah um do you sit down yeah, no, standing is not a long-term option for me right now, I don't think. I think when you do, um, Karun sort of like leans forward to touch the table in the middle and puts like both misty hands on it and looks at you and goes, you will have had your moment in a minute. Prior to that, we will talk. And you're like dead certain that this is Doya talking. Belka just nods. You were to be our memory. It is a burden that we didn't want to place on you, but you took it. And for that, we were always thankful. Until we couldn't be thankful anymore. You had questions, though. Belka kind of nods, and then shakes her head, and then shrugs, and says... Does it matter anymore? The questions, or the memory, or anything? It would always matter, even if you sometimes doubted. When you looked back on this day, you would always feel slightly embarrassed for having asked that, for doubting. <laughs> but you were also reaffirmed by my assurances that Memory is all we ever had, all we ever were, 
all we were ever able to hold. And I thought also that you would come to treasure the gifts that we gave you. You always thought of them as burdens, and that is true, but you also came to see their other nature. Their other nature? They were opportunities. They were tools. They were weapons. I think Belka has the hands in their lap open, one still torn from chains, and the other kind of clenched a little bit in pain from the wound in their side, and kind of sighs, and I think it's it's quieter now, but they're definitely still crying, and says, tools and work and people to avenge, friends to avenge, I thought. I don't, it's not, it's not fair. It was never fair. You took my name. I gave it, I suppose, a gift. But you know it. The last dance, the dust in the empty room, and I am tired of being the empty room where the people aren't anymore. Why does it have to be just me? I'd like you to stay, and I know that you can't, but I am tired. It never was just you. And you were never just the empty room. You were also, and would be again, the dance. I think Falka laughs and says, It will be a while. Until I dance, I think. Less time than you imagined. We spoke of time, though, and you would not have much. Hink Belka nods wearily. There are things I should have known, perhaps. Can you help me? Before you go? What was it again that you had wanted to know? I think at this point, Velka has kind of gathered themselves together enough to know that they don't know anything really, um, but not enough to try and start piecing things together from themselves. So they just kind of hold both their empty palms out towards Doya, extremely wearily say, What would you tell me? What would you have me know? You found it useful when I told you. That although we had hoped that this ending could have been different, that this hadn't been an ending, you found it useful too to hear that even at that moment your ally Venz was reading the memories of Serata Page, and with what he learnt there, you would have answers. Also, you found it useful but not pleasant to know that when you truly began to understand what had happened with Corpus, how to make right what had happened here, you would be back, near home. That when you began to understand how to fix things, you knew how exactly the hearts 
were wrapped up in this. Oh, they don't like that at all. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's that's fair. I think when we talked about Belka as a character, <laughs> I am realizing now that we didn't go into a massive amount of detail about why they left the hearts. But what we basically said was that they felt the hearts had been interfering too much with the story of the world, that they changed too much. And I am beginning now to suspect that Belka is finally on the fringes of being aware that to fix this, they might have to admit that they broke it. Uh-huh. Hubris. So I think, I think Belka swears quite loudly and then kind of screams and cries a little bit more and then just laughs uncontrollably at the kind of dawning realization that everything they have been thinking is so horrible and unfair about the world is probably kind of not them as an individual, but they as a collective's fault. Or at least partially. At least partially, yeah. I don't think this is exclusively on the hearts, but... They were involved. Is, uh, is like, what Doya makes clear. Cool. I think when you look back up after laughing, uh, you look back up at, like, this shadowy version, or, like, misty version of your friend Karun, and I think the smile on their face is much warmer than it had been before. It, this isn't Doya now, this is your memory of Karun. Um, and I think the smile is maybe from, like, one of the first days after you became a heart, when you had been, like, struggling with a piece of work, maybe struggling with a story, um, and then you'd given the performance to the rest of, like, your new colleagues, I guess, or new, like, peers, and you'd done it well. And Karun gave you, like, this really broad, nice smile, and it's that smile that you see on their face now. I think that helps and also hurts in equal parts, because that is probably the best Belka has ever felt, that moment, and this is the worst. But they smile back quite weakly, and kind of doing a dismissive gesture as they say it. I know you're not real, I think, but I'm glad you're not real here for a moment. I would not like to be alone anymore, I think. Karin smiles and says, you're not alone. I'm here, and I'll always be both there and Karun kind of like vaguely waves their like finger about like vaguely in a direction of like certainty and like north and he's like so I, I never really knew my my compass directions and then like points at your your head and says and in there too I think Belka laughs and says yes you you never really much were one for going places, but I'm glad I can take you with me in some way. You know, you warned me before I moved up. You said, sorrow is a hard one. You are the story for everyone, for the world. You are the thing. And are you ready? And I said, yes. And I was wrong. And you were right, like always. I was not ready. It's hard to be this sad. I thought it would be different. 
but it is this. But Belka, you forgot the second part of what I said. Even if you felt not ready then, one day you would be. That you would grow into your new role. That I saw who you were then and who you would be, and I knew that whatever burden that role would be, you would grow to carry it. I think Belka laughs. And kind of the first genuine laugh they've had this whole session. And then looks thoughtful for a second and looks at Karun and says, And then you told me I should practice more my dances, I remember. So. And did you? Not enough. And then I think they look sort of pensive and sad and make a kind of hand gesture to them that's meant to be like familial goodbye, like you do to a, a close relative or a really good friend. And that I think it's meant to be like a regret at having to leave and says, I'm sorry, I wanted so much to see you and now you're here and it helps and hurts, but helps the most. But I think I have to leave. I think I have a dance to join. Well, I guess you better get practicing. 